Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all these days um, that we find ourselves in uh, would say something along these lines? You know, life is just tough. Would everybody agree with that? How many of y'all today just, you know, life is just tough. And I think if we all answered that question truthfully, we'd all probably say, you know, it's, it, it is kind of tough. And unfortunately, it seems like the older that we get. Now, I was told that I had the best years of life to look forward to because they're referred to as the golden years. <laughs> but I hear a lot of folks say, I don't know what's so golden about them, but anyway, you know, life can be tough. As we try to navigate life today and we try to navigate the culture that we live in, I mean, that just kind of further complicates things even more. And as we consider life, you know, life with all its ups and downs and life with all of its difficulties, I mean, just everything that we have to kind of deal with day in and day out, Sometimes at the end of the day, I mean, have you ever sat down and you just wonder sometimes, why do I put so much effort into it? It just doesn't seem like I get very much out of it at the end of the day. Let me ask you another question. Let me put it to you this way. How many of you have gotten up, gone through the day, and about halfway through the day, you kind of say to yourself, maybe it would have been better if I'd have just stayed in bed today, huh? Uh, life happens that way sometimes. And matter of fact, recorded for us in the scripture, um, there is a book in the Bible that is often neglected uh, because it is considered to be a difficult book to understand or to quite kind of get our hands around. And if you have your Bibles this morning or your device, whichever you prefer to use, I want you to turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. Matter of fact, the preacher is going to deal with the subject. And matter of fact, the first two chapters, uh, the preacher looks at life strictly from under the sun. In other words, what you can see. Um, what you struggle with, what you deal with, all of the materialism, all of the things, culture, you know, all of those things that we have to deal with every day, including such things like weather. Is 51 inches of rain so far this year enough for everybody? Huh? I wish there was some way they could figure out how to take it and move it from here to out west to those folks who need it, okay? And uh, give us a bit anyway, at the end of the day, Okay, and let me ask you a question. How many of us have found it in our own lives, and okay, you don't need to raise your hands, okay, because God already knows your heart anyway. But how many of us, with all of this rain, we've just kind of, our attitude hadn't been the best in the world, okay? When we find ourselves in, in life and with, you know, this virus and all of this stuff and politics, you know, when you, when you pile all of that together, okay, some of us, when we look at life, it's like, Man, you know, things are changing so much, things are just getting totally out of control. Let me tell you something. That's the way Solomon in chapter 1 and chapter number 2 was kind of looking at life from underneath the sun. But we come to chapter number 3 and something changes. 
because the preacher is getting ready to add something else into the equation. I know many of you have heard, and this is a passage that is often quoted and used in many avenues. And matter of fact, it's from verse 2 all the way down through verse number 8. There's a time for this and a time for that. A time for this and a time for that. A time for this and a time for that. And you go all the way through all of those times. But then you come down to verse number 9. And here's what's getting ready to happen. The preacher is getting ready to bring God into the equation. And by bringing God into the equation of life, he now takes on a different perspective to life. Look at verse 9 and verse number 10 and notice what the preacher says. What profit is there to the worker from, which, from that in which he toils or labors? What profit is there? I mean, what, what profit is there to all of those things that I do day in and day out? You know, all of that labor, all of that toiling, all of those things that I do. The question is asked, what profit is there? Well, you come to verse number 10, I have seen the task which God has given the souls of men with which to occupy themselves. We stay busy. You know, one of the things that God has given us to do is the, is the ability of life. And we have to be able to work, to be stewards of what God's given us and all of those things that are part of our lives and make up our lives from who we are. And so the preacher talks about that here in verse 9 and verse number 10. But now the question becomes this, is all of this labor really worth it? At the end of the day, is all of this labor really worth it? Well, I will say this to you, in light of the new evidence that is brought in chapter number 3 as we get to verse 9 and verse number 10, I think Solomon gives us three answers to the question, is it really worth it? At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, is it really worth it? Well, first of all, let me share one thing with you. This is one of the perspectives that will help us right off at the beginning. And it's actually found in verse number 10. I've seen the task which God has given. You know, I want you to consider this today. Did you know that our life is a gift from God? Did you know that? Our life is a gift from God. Matter of fact, it's God who gives life and it's God who takes life. And so as a result of that, when we consider our life today, do, do we look at it from the perspective that our life is a gift from God? It's what it is. It's a gift from him that's been given to us. So in view of all the difficulties that we find ourselves in, that we experience day by day, and all of the struggles that we have, life may seem like a strange gift, why in the world would God give something like this with all of its inherent difficulties and all of its ups and downs and all of its, you know, all of its trials and all of its miseries? But still the same, God has given life to us as a gift. And so when we look at that life that has been given to us as a gift of God, it ought to give us a different perspective on how we live life every day. And here's the other thing is we spend a lot of energy we spend a lot of time, a lot of energy trying to explain life's mysteries. But oftentimes we don't always succeed. You don't know how many times I've been asked that, this question. And let me say this to you this morning. A lot of people struggle with this, especially a lot of Christians. Let me say this to you this morning. It is okay to ask God why. It is okay to ask God why. 
Because sometimes in our life when difficulties come and difficult circumstances come, and matter of fact, I've heard some say, you should never, you should never ask God why. Why not? Matter of fact, when you go read the Scripture many times over, God was asked by those that are recorded in Scripture, ask God why. Matter of fact, David himself asked God why. Matter of fact, when you go back through Abraham, ask God why. You go back through the Scripture, look at the New Testament. Even Paul himself struggled with something in his own life, and he asked God to remove it from him. Is it okay to ask God? Sure it is. Ask God why? Sure it is. Because we all struggle with life in one way or the other. And oftentimes we're always trying to figure out what the answer is to something that's going on in our life. And quite frankly, there are just some things that you and I are not going to know on this side of eternity. We're just not going to know the answer to. But when we come to the point that we accept life as a gift... And understand it from that perspective. And we thank God for it. You ready for this? We will have a better attitude about life. We will. Now, I don't know about you, okay? But I enjoy life. Okay? Even with its difficulties and its ups and downs. Let me tell you something. God gave me another opportunity. God gave me another chance in life. And matter of fact, now I understand probably more about what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, life is a race and we strive for the prize, the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. Paul was motivated every day in his life because of the gospel. Paul was motivated by that relationship that he had with God to be the very best that he could to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, of which Paul wrote over and over and over again, to be to to those around him the best that he could be and just to make the most out of life. You know, there's this phrase, I never did quite get all of it, but but I think I understand it. When life hands you a lemon, turn it into lemonade. But I guess you have to put sugar in it in order for it to be sweet, right? Not just to turn a a lemon into juice, okay? Because it's still going to be bitter. But you put sugar in it and you make lemonade out of it. And all of a sudden now, we've turned a lemon into something that is more pleasurable. Well, what about life? When difficulties come in life, what do we do with them? What do we do when those difficulties come and we find ourselves there? But I will say this, if we, let me just help you this morning, okay? If we continually look at life as a burden, if we continually look at life as a burden, we'll miss out on the gift that come our way. We'll absolutely miss out on it. Let me ask you a question. Is your prayer each day For God to use you in some capacity, in some way, to be a blessing to somebody else. You know, when I I come here and we meet together for corporate worship, you know, one of the things that I do when I come onto this campus, okay, you know what I enjoy more than anything else, okay? Just to be here with a smile and with a kick in the step and to be able just to greet folks and welcome them here and I'm glad that you're here. 
Because you never know who may just need someone to come by and encourage them. Well, when we look at life, what about life apart from here? What about when we find ourselves away from this place? How do we look at life? Do we look at life? And this is what Solomon is talking about here. When we understand that life is a gift from God, it will change our attitude of the way we look at life every day. Here's the second thing that Solomon gives to us. You ready for this one? (laughs) Hold on. Did you know that your life is linked to eternity? Your life is linked to eternity. Look at verse number 11. And he's made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart. Do you see that? You know that that spot in our heart, okay, that that all throughout life we try to fill. It's almost like a void that's there. And many people go through life trying to fill that void with something. Let me tell you what that is. That's eternity that God has set in our hearts. It's It's that part of God that is set there. You say, well, Brother Robert, how do you know that? Well, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27, and 28. Let us make man in our image. In our image, God created man. I mean, that's who, that's, who we, that's who we are. And so when we think about that and when we consider that, of, of who we are in our identity with God. And so as we think about that and we consider that in our own lives, it ought to allow us then to look at life through a totally different lens because it's linked to eternity. Are you ready for this? I don't care who you are in this building this morning. Don't care who you are. Whether you have a relationship with God or not, you will live for all of eternity. Why? Because God himself has linked you there. And either you will spend eternity with him or you will spend eternity apart from him. But... You will live throughout all of eternity. Why? Because that's the, way, that's the way God created us. We're linked to eternity. Matter of fact, man's created in the very image of God and has been given dominion over creation that we have and find ourselves today. And are you ready for this? We're different from the rest of creation, though. We're different from the rest of creation. You ever thought about that? We're not the same as, as cows or horses or... Any of those other creatures or critters out there, we're different. We have eternity in our hearts and are linked to heaven. We're linked to God himself. This is why nobody, including Solomon, as you go through and look at this, can be satisfied with his or her endeavors and achievements or is able to explain the mysteries of life. Why? Because God placed it there. I tried for years in my own life to fill that void with things other than God. And here's the problem. The more you attempt to fill it with things other than God, the more you have to try to fill it. There's only one that will fill that void. There's only one who will take place or take that place that is inside of us and fill it completely and full. There's only one who will do that, and that's Jesus Christ himself. He's the only one. I mean, I struggled with it throughout, uh, throughout the early part of, uh, of my life and my younger years until finally I realized that, hey, it just ain't working here. There's something that's missing. 
And when I found out that that something that was missing was, G- was Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. The day after I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ, guess what happened to that void? It was gone. You know what? Let me tell you why. Because that void has now been filled with Jesus Christ. And that's what makes the difference. That's what gives us a difference in life. True. God accomplishes his purposes in his time, but not until we enter eternity, you ready for this, will we begin to comprehend his total plan. Huh? Do you realize that when we get to be with him throughout all of eternity, we'll be like him? I mean, does that, does that do anything for you? Do you understand and realize this morning because of him? Because of what he's done for you and because of your relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. Do you understand this morning that you're a joint heir with Christ? Romans chapter number 8 says we're joint heirs with Christ. One day when we spend eternity, we will, we're joint heirs. Does that, okay, does that register anything with you? Are you ready for this one? Let me share this with you. And the reason for that is simply because... Of his great love for you. God loved us so. That he sent his only son. God proved his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. I mean. Okay. Let let me tell you what it does for me every day. Every day. That's new to me. Every day. That comes with a richness. That I cannot get over. Why? Because I understand I didn't deserve any of it. Created by Him, loved by Him, a way prepared for me to spend all of eternity with Him simply because of His great love for me. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you something. It's like that song that we sang a few weeks ago. It gets sweeter. As the days go by. Let me ask you a question. Does it get sweeter for you or does it become more of a burden for you? I hear some sweeters. Not many. It ought to get sweeter. Number three. Not only is our life a gift from God. Not only has our life been linked to eternity, but here's number three from Solomon. Our life can be enjoyable now. Can it? Well, look at verse number 12. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all of his labor And I want you to notice the next part of verse 13. It is the what? It's the gift of God. It's the gift of God. You know, the preacher, Solomon, actually hinted at this in chapter 2 and verse 24. Go back to chapter 2 and look at verse 24 and notice what Solomon wrote. He said, there's nothing better for man than to eat and drink and tell himself that his labor is good. This also I've seen that it is from the hand of God. It's from the hand of God. That's who it comes from. 
and to understand that the enjoyment of life is the gift of God. Do you enjoy life every day? Ah, okay. I'll be honest and truthful with you. Are there some days that you struggle? Sure there are. Are there some days that I wish you could just kind of turn back the clock a little bit? Sure, we all do. But for the most part, for the most part, you know, somebody asked me, asked, I get asked this question all the time. You ready to go to heaven? I am. But I'm not looking to get on the bus today. Okay, let me tell you why. I kind of enjoy life right now. I had somebody tell me the other day, just wait. <laughs> Here's what they told me. Said, hope you're not looking forward to retirement. I said, why not? Those wonderful years. And they said, because instead of you going to work every day, your life is going to be made up of trips to the doctor. <laughs> or to the pharmacy or any of these other places. Huh? Mm. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse... 17, Paul writing, encouraging Timothy, challenging Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 17. I want you to notice as Paul writes to Timothy, I want you to notice what he challenges Timothy with in verse 17. He said, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. But on who? But on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Let me ask you a question. Are you content with what you have? How many of you fellows sometimes feel like you just need more toys? Huh? How many of you fellows have a list of toys you'd like to have one day? All right? Let me ask you this question. How many of y'all would like to have a nice big backhoe that you could get out on a piece of property somewhere and just dig around with? Anybody? Huh? I see all these, I see all these wives. They're pointing to their husbands. <laughs> Because their husbands won't raise their hands. Let me ask you this. How about fishing boats? You know, let me tell you something. I, I, poor Brother Gene is the only one back here that's raising his hand on anything. But I notice Miss Pat's not back there either. So anyway. Verse 18. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, generous and ready to share. Storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that, which is life indeed. So how do we look at life? Let's go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. How do we look at life? We should live each day enjoying all that God has for us. That's the fruit of our labor. Are you ready for this one? Here comes the difficult part. No matter how difficult it may be. No matter how difficult life may become. Whatever God does is forever. 
So when we live for him and let him have his way, I'm going to tell you something. This is the key ingredient here. When we live for him, let him have his way, life is meaningful and it's manageable. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Okay? Let me tell you what Paul wrote there. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor or your toil is not in vain. See, a lot of what Solomon spoke of under the sun was all vanity of vanities. It was vain. But that that's done for the Lord, let me tell you what it does. It gives us new perspective to life. When we understand that life is a gift from God, when we understand that the things that we get to experience that God has given to us because of our relationship with him and because it's all linked to eternity anyway, and at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, life can be enjoyable as we live it out today, looking forward to what he has for us. So instead of complaining about what we don't have, I know none of us ever do that, do we? Huh? Do any of us ever complain about what we don't have? How many of us have ever said, have ever made this statement? You know, if I just had such and such, or if I just had this, or if I just had this, life would be what? So much better? Really? Let's enjoy what we do have and thank God for it. Why? Because life is a gift from God. British Methodist preacher by the name of William Sangster, here's what, this is what was written about him. He learned that he had progressive muscular atrophy and could not get well. And in his life, the early stages of his life, when he realized and found out that he had this, he made four resolutions And it is written in the biography of him that he kept them until the very end. And let me give you the four resolutions that he made after learning that he had progressive muscular atrophy. And here's what they are. Number one, I will never complain. Number two, I will keep the home bright. Number three, I will count my blessings. And number four, I will try to turn it to gain. How could he do that? How could he look at life that way? How could he look at life with a a debilitating disease like that and still look at life that way? Because he understood exactly what Solomon was writing about here. Life is a gift from God. It's linked to eternity. And we can live the best life that we have right now despite what happens and despite the circumstances. You see, this is the approach that Solomon wants us to take. So let me ask you another question this morning to kind of just bring all of this to a close. How can life be meaningless and monotonous for us when God has an eternal plan for us? How could it be anything more? 
than wonderful. You see, if you've been born again, you're a child of God being prepared for an eternal home. Did you know that? I've always wondered why. John chapter 14, verse 1 through verse 6. As a matter of fact, if you've been to many funeral services, it's probably one of the most used, most quoted passages of Scripture at a funeral service. But the context of which Jesus was speaking to the disciples here, was preparing them for what lie ahead. In just, in just a few hours, in a few short hours, Jesus was getting ready to die on the cross. And then he was going to ascend to the right hand of the Father, and he was going to be gone. He would no longer be with them. And so here's what he told them. He said, let not your heart be troubled. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. And then he goes on to say, and I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will receive you to myself that where I am, There you will be also. Folks, listen to me. It doesn't get any better than that. And then, of course, Thomas and them are there, and they ask the simple question. Well, where are you going? How can we know the way? We don't don't know all about this. And then we come to verse 6, which is the culmination of all of it. When Jesus looked at them, and here's what he said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. That's the only way. So my dear friend, if you want to fill that void that's inside of your heart that you struggle with day in and day out, there's only one who can fill that void, and that is Jesus Christ himself. That is it. That's all. What will give you the perspective of life every day that you need, you will not find it apart from Jesus Christ himself. So what's the proper attitude for us as believers today, as Christians today? The proper attitude for us is the fear of the Lord. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and look at verse 14. I know that everything God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it. There is nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. Stand in awe of who he is. (laughs) I don't know about you, okay? But the most amazing thing that took place in my life on July the 8th in 1990 was when I was sitting in that service and Clint Andrews was preaching. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. The title of the message was, You Cannot Have a Servant's Heart Until You've Had a Changed Heart. And I knew right then, And all of the running and all the excuses and all of the critical spirit that I had with anything that had to do with God, it all changed that day. And my dear friend, if I could say as a testimony to all of you this morning and a testimony to what God can do in your heart and life, he forever changed my life that day. And now, life came from a different perspective. Why? Because I saw it from God's perspective and not mine. 
It's kind of like the submission of an obedient child to a loving parent. That's the way that we should be with God. If we fear God, we need not fear anything else. Why? Because he is in control. And one day it's coming. In my own life, now I don't know about you, okay? I've often thought about this. Would it be something to be standing up here preaching and the rapture took place? Huh? Woo! Could you imagine? Huh? Either way, you ready for this? Either way, Jesus Christ has already prepared the way for us. He is the first fruit of those who sleep in Christ. He is. So whether by rapture or by death, either way, and like I always say, I'm not afraid of dying because I know where I'm going. I'm not looking to get on the bus today, okay? And if I don't go by way of the rapture, and I must go by way of God taking my last breath from me here, my prayer is, God, just don't let it hurt. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for life. Father, we thank you for your great love.